0: It's time for the big show with Andy Gallo and Country Jim. Hello, everybody. I'm Andy Gallo, and I'm Country Jim, and welcome everybody to the podcast. And Tommy Reed is our guest. Tommy is uh, the owner of the Alvin Opry, yes. and uh, also his band plays there. And he, uh, I guess, you're the MC. The yes. uh, you're Jack of all trades. I I, I, would on, that I be the right?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, welcome. We appreciate you being Thank here, you. Ben. Honored to be here. You bet. And hey, uh, just want to talk a little bit about man. We I know you. I saw your bio. You were showing us that a while ago, and uh, of course CJ, he already he knows you from years back, Absolutely. and this first time I've met you. But man, you've got a roster of folks that you've worked with. Uh, name name some of those people. Thank
1: you. Well, I have uh, worked with Tony Booth. I have worked with Daryl McCall. Um, I have backed uh, Johnny Bush, uh, Curtis Potter. Um, guys like uh, Frenchy Burke um gosh just a, a a whole handful of them um who was dating that? all the way back to Isaac Payton's sweat back in the early 80s oh wow so that, okay
2: and that's slipping around guy
1: oh and Floyd Tillman as well mm-hmm. yes
0: absolutely yeah he was a hillbilly rocker at one time I mean, he, he had that hair you know that was always going every which way he does know? he
1: was he was <laughs> real unusual and and yeah. you know Curtis Potter was a big floyd tillman fan oh he, wow. he
0: just loved floyd tillman yeah i love curtis potter mm-hmm. man we used to play we used, he used to have uh he had quite a bit of stuff out in the late 70s Absolutely. and early 80s i think he had some stuff and, and we used to play that at
1: the he is station. a singer singer mm-hmm. and i worked a yeah. lot of jobs with him yeah. uh doing the survivor shows from mm-hmm. heart of texas uh with daryl mccall tony booth and and curtis potter
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and uh He's a singer, singer, I guarantee you that. He's yeah. he's a great, yeah. he one did. of the best vocalists I've ever yeah. worked with. Too
0: bad we lost him. Absolutely. Too soon, for sure. Too soon. Yeah, Absolutely. way too soon, for sure.
2: Oh, uh, no, yeah. he was already
0: old. Yeah, well, he still lost him way too soon, though. That's so. true. Yeah. So. Okay, how old there's you are? No, uh There's no good
1: time to die. No, and it was kind of unexpected. I mean, you know, he got sick he'd, real he'd, quick and he yeah. just passed. You,
0: you know. know what John Wayne always said, though? It's 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 not it's not dying that's hard. It's living. You know? The so you living gotta, is the hard part. You know, yeah, living that's is true. the hard part. Dying is easy. You know? Right. So I to remember that.
2: So yeah. did you ever cover any of a uh, Tom? Tommy's really a good singer too. Uh, did you ever cover any of uh, his songs? Uh, my probably my favorite shuffle that he did, and one of my very favorite
1: ones is uh, "Case of Sorrows." Case of Sorrows. We do that. We do. Um uh, I'll go to a stranger. Yeah. Uh, things like uh, she combed my hair. You remember that one yeah. every morning. Yeah. Um, and I used to do about a half a dozen of, of, of Curtis's songs. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was doing doing those songs in the original Opry, and uh, n- nobody over there knew who Curtis Potter was. But mm. uh, come to find out. Later on down the line, uh, they signed up with Heart of Texas to do some survivor CDs, and I actually got to back those guys because of that that niche. Yeah. So it was a wonderful experience.
2: Tommy, I, I'm really, um, I hope it shows. I'm really glad to have you on here, man. You've been a, you've been a good friend. My my mind is just flooded with a lot of great memories. Uh, but this is what we do sometimes. We get all carried away with the here and now and the recent past. And uh, we. Uh, I just want to go back to that uh, interesting childhood that you had. Okay. Uh, and what is it that you always say? <laughs> we were all. Yeah, we, uh, we all started as a child. Most all. of us <laughs> anyway. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh...
0: (laughs) I had to have you say that.
2: Oh, yeah, I love saying it. (laughs) So, so, uh, you came from, uh, you came from a family of, uh,
1: musicians,
2: and so, uh, man, tell us that story, those stories.
1: Well, my first musical influence was my, my birth father, who, uh, was a musical enthusiast, and, uh, he played guitar and harmonica and sang, and, uh... He wasn't a professional player, uh, but he would sit up in the living room and entertain the family, and we would sit on the floor and listen to him play for hours. He loved Eddie Arnold and uh, all those great songs from back during that time. Now, what did he play? He played guitar. Guitar, okay. Mm-hmm. flat-top guitar mm-hmm. and harmonica. So, I mean, to us, it was amazing because we were five, six years old, and we were sitting on the floor and we're, you know, hearing this. It sounded like a band, you know, with mm-hmm. him blowing harmonica mm-hmm. and everything. Okay, so that was the first influence, and later on my mom remarried, and uh, she re- remarried to a, a, another musician uh, who was a steel guitar player, his name was Louis Faunerat. And uh, so Louis was my stepdad most of my life uh, from the time I was five or six, seven years old. And uh, Louis was a great player. You know, when he was a kid, uh, one of the first, he answered a an ad in a local newspaper where he lived over in Louisiana. And it was from Hoyle Nix over in West Texas. And he was looking for a steel player. So my dad responded to the ad and Hoyle said, well, look, if you're interested in auditioning, I'll send you a bus ticket and you can come on out here to West Texas. Uh, I'll put you up in a hotel room. Uh, we can audition, see what you can do and we'll go from there. So Lewis was 15 years old. He just you know, brought his steel guitar down to the bus station, jumped on that bus and headed out to West Texas. Well, when he got there, uh, you know, he loved to play Western swing stuff. And uh, so he knew already some of the songs that Hall Nicks was going to play. Uh, so he, he played those and he played them just like the record, like he had learned them. And Hoyle Nix hired him right there on the spot. So Lewis never came back to Louisiana from that point. He stayed over there. And uh, he was with Hoyle actually when, when uh, Jody Nix was born. And he actually played with Hoyle Nix the very first night in the Stampede Ballroom hmm. out there in West Texas. So Which is a He was part of that dental. original band. Hmm. He had hmm. gone back maybe five, six, seven years ago. Jody came to the Opry and invited him to come back to West Texas to the stampede and, and play. They were doing a show over there. And my mom and dad went over there. Uh, he brought in, a uh, a guy from a local newspaper and they wrote up a big article, real nice thing mm-hmm. on him, you know, about the history of the stampede ballroom. And, and my dad working there had a bunch of pictures in it and things that mm-hmm. it was real nice keepsake. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's where he came from, and later on he moved back to Louisiana uh, after the five, six, seven years with Hoyle Nicks. He went to work with Doug Kershaw, and uh, he worked with Rusty and Doug. They went to Nashville, uh, did some session work over there, and uh, came back. He worked around Louisiana for a number of years, and eventually uh, he had a roofing company uh, that they ran, him and his brothers. Uh, my mother went to work for him as a secretary. And when Hurricane Carla came through, uh, his thing was he wanted to move to Houston because there was a lot of work. So we all packed up, and to Houston we came. Hmm. So that was in 1960, and we've been here ever since.
0: Now, you started playing. Was that something that it was uh, uh, your stepdad and your mom said, well, you need to pick up? An instrument, if you're going to be a part of this family, this is what you got to do.
1: Or or is it something you just want to do? Well, you know, my mother was a drummer, and and almost nobody knows that. My mother played drums for years and years, and her and and Louis teamed up with a guy named Carl Ball. I don't know if you remember him from back in the 60s, but he was a local talent. Had a had a pretty good name. He had some uh, records out as well. Was
0: that Utah Carl? No, but, it wasn't no, Utah. Wait, Carl. Was not same. No, okay, it was oh. Carl Ball. Okay,
1: and uh, he uh, came over to the house one weekend. We were having a family barbecue, and and Carl Ball and his wife came over. Well, my uncle actually, I started out playing drums, but my uncle played some bass guitar, or he had a bass guitar. He actually was played guitar, but he wanted to learn how to play the bass. Mm. So he had the guitar. He left it over at the house one time, and so I had picked it up and started fooling around on it, and I liked it. Uh, So he he wrote out a... A thing on a piece of paper, uh, like the neck of a guitar with the strings on it, you know, with the and where you put your fingers and stuff to make chords and stuff. And so that's the way I actually learned how to play. Well, anyway, Carl Ball had come over to the house for the weekend. We had a barbecue out back, and we were doing a little jam session. And uh, my dad said, well, you know, go get your little bass rig, you know, and see if you can follow some of it. Mm-hmm. So I went and picked it out and did it. And uh, actually, they hired me into the, to the band right then. So I was working with my mom and my dad. And with Carl Ball. Mm-hmm. So, wow. And how old were you? Then? I was 14 when 14, I started. Okay. Mm-hmm. 14 years old. And you've been playing ever since? been playing ever since. Wow.
2: Yeah. Okay, so after you left uh, that band, then what next?
1: Well, after that, uh, I went through school and got out of school. Uh, my dad... And Pasadena High? Southeastern High School. Oh. And uh, graduated in 73. Uh... We uh, we started our own band. Well, actually, we, no. The first thing we did was we went to work with Lloyd Ashley. You remember a guy named Lloyd yes. Ashley? <laughs> okay. Well, we went to work with Lloyd Ashley. His band was named LA Express. And after that, yeah. then we decided. Well, we don't. You know, we don't want to work for these other guys because it's too hard to stay busy if you do that. Mm-hmm. What we need to do is get our own band together. And we formed the Texas Express band back then, and that was probably in '78. And uh, that's what we've been doing ever since then. Yeah,
2: maybe one of the longest running bands
1: uh, in the whole area. We have been busy. We have worked over the years. Uh, been real, real fortunate. Um, but. Uh,
2: and uh, your son's in the band on drums?
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. He grew up and he was... Uh, uh, I, I was doing a thing with Dale Watson, and Dale had come over to the house, and we were rehearsing. And
0: uh, Matthew, I love how you said that. Odell oh, Watson came over to the house. We were, <laughs> right. sitting, we were sitting down just drinking some coffee, and exactly. talking about good old times. Well, you know, know when so. we were working Pasadena
1: <laughs> Circuit, Dale was out there all the time, yeah. you know, working yeah. that same circuit. So you know, we were friends, and he went off to Nashville and started writing songs for Gary Morris. And uh, he had booked a show at the uh, Swinging Doors Club in Pasadena. It was a week between Christmas, and we were going to play all the way through to New Year's Eve. So he drove down here. He stayed at his mom's house. His mom lived in South Houston. And uh, so he would come out to my house, and we would rehearse our show until we got it ready. Well, Matthew was only about six or seven years old, but he was real enthused with uh, listening to uh, Jeff Gambrell play his drums. And he would sit outside of the mobile home on the steps and listen to us rehearse at night, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I caught him out there one night, and you know, said, "Hey, what are you doing? You know, come on in here." You know, <laughs> so yeah, uh, he took to it, and uh, he, he's just a great drummer, a
0: great singer, yes, great guy. Yes, he is. I couldn't be any more proud of him. So, what got you involved with the opera? What What was the the decision that, that to buy the opera? That Hopper? brought me there. Well, yes. I was
1: not an opera person, and I, I told everybody that I knew that I came across back during that time, you know, my dad, uh, there was an opportunity for him to fill in uh, for uh, Dusty Stewart was leaving the Opry. Uh, Jeff Gambrell, who had been working with us, called Lewis and asked him if he would like to do the, the spot, and he took it. I didn't know anything about Oprys or anything like that, and I wasn't playing much at that particular time, but I would go in and do some guest singing, you know, just go in and sing with them, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, so that's the way I got involved. Later on, Tony Booth was playing bass uh, at the original Opry. And uh, every once in a while, Tony would have to go out of town. So they knew me. So whenever Tony went out of town, then he asked if I would come in and play, you know, in his place. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of how I got affiliated with him. And then, uh, you know, through the next several years, Tony had to leave out more and more and more. And I was playing more and more there. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's that's really the way I got affiliated with the with the Opry scene itself because mm-hmm. I had never played an Opry before that. Right. Now, when did all that happen, the Opry? When did you, you take possession of oh, that? Oh, gosh, let's see. I took possession about three years ago. Uh, okay. They okay. ran for probably 20-some-odd years at the original Opera House. It was Gene uh, uh, and Sue Hofford were the owners over there, and they did a great job with that Opry for many, many, many years. Yes and uh, just really good people
2: the opera house they they took an actual residence and tore out the
1: walls and
2: made a nice auditorium in there
1: made a nice auditorium room it had uh uh, what do you call that cathedral seating or however yeah theater seating in there it was a really nice uh venue uh really really popular uh we'd go by there at nights um when we were going to our jobs and uh, the people would just be lined up down the street trying to mm-hmm. get in there so we, then, we knew they had something going on but right. we didn't know exactly right. what it was right. You know, but yep. come to find out that's yep. what it was yep. uh, so the Opry went down uh, probably six or seven years ago and uh, we took back to our band on our road jobs and uh, about uh, well in between time I had gone to work with Tony Booth I've opened for him for 15 years
0: uh, but the uh, I was sitting there on Sunday now, what morning. Year, what year was that on the Tony Booth? What year was that? Probably? I started
1: with Tony Booth in about 2005. Okay. Okay. Uh, he signed with Heart of Texas. I don't know 2006, 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Justin Verneio had come down as a guest artist um, not long after Bobby Flores had come in as well. So Tracy Pitcock got word that Tony was at the Opry. And uh, uh, Tracy was interested in possibly signing Tony. Uh, and he came down and talked to him. And uh, it kind of mushroomed from there. It kind of swelled up. and they, He signed with uh, Heart of Texas. And from there on, we were doing road shows all over the state and uh, uh, opening up with some great other artists. Uh, they did a CD, a Survivor CD, with him and uh, Tony Booth, Darrell McCall, and uh, Curtis Potter. Yeah. So I got mm-hmm. to play a lot of those jobs as well so
0: now did they come I, over for supper too or, or was that just a
1: <laughs> no 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 they didn't do that but uh you know i, I tell t- you what everywhere we went we were looking for free food <laughs>
2: <laughs> um Justin uh, is going to be uh, at the Alvin Opera in November. featured He's going to be the featured artist. He's good, and he is. But we're going to. And of course, if any folks uh, listening are going to be in the uh, Houston area, they should consider mm-hmm. going to go and see him at the Alvin Opera. They can get in touch with any of us, particularly right. Tommy over here. Mm-hmm. That's right. But, go to uh, our
1: Facebook page, the Alvin Opera House.
2: But he's been a longtime friend of mine. i worked some stuff with him. And so we're going to try to get him on the, uh, when he comes down, we'll get him on the podcast, I hope. Oh, that would be good. Would you know, be you good. know, Tommy, uh, I, I, play, I play rhythm guitar forever since I was 10 years old. Uh-huh. And uh, with this arthritis I've got now, if people ask me if I play guitar, I say, well, I just kind of stir it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about a bass player is, you see, see I use a pick. On my right hand, playing playing rhythm guitar. Mm -hmm, But now see, I I think of a a bass player uh, using his fingers on his right hand to make Mm -hmm. the notes. Did you ever hear of a bass player using a
1: pick to play? I have used a pick a lot. Uh, You know, I started out playing with my fingers and stuff, but I I started getting some arthritis developed in my fingers, and my fingers would get sore on my right hand. Uh, So I did start playing with a a pick and it was, you know, my whole style was a little bit unorthodox because when I learned how to play, you didn't have all the technology that they have today. You didn't have the videos and the the music that you could repeat and run back and forth. You had to listen to the radio. You hear a song that you like. You started to learn how to play it. It went off in three minutes, and right. you had to wait another three or four hours for that thing to play again. You right. know, where you could pick up where you left off, yeah. and that's kind of the way yeah. we gathered material back in that day.
0: Use a thumb pick, or, or just a just no, a, just a regular, just a regular pick. Okay. Yeah, just a regular
1: yeah. old, uh, pick. You know, uh, nylon pick is what I mm-hmm. use. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. He does a great. So. He
2: does a great job. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I I dare say that uh, well the gigs he's played with me, uh, you know, he just. Jumps up there, gets in tune, and off, off we go. Uh, I don't remember us ever having a rehearsal. Do you? We never <laughs> did. No, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. He didn't talk about hey, it. Probably showed. <laughs> <laughs> no, it. Uh, he talked about being self-taught, but he he's a, being in band as much as he's been, mm-hmm. and playing with the. You know, you you don't uh, you don't play with those kind of top shelf folks. Uh, unless you know what you're doing and can right. re- really do a good job,
0: you know we've had quite a few people on the uh, podcast, and and, and, and uh, surprisingly, a lot of them will tell you, well, "I don't read music." Do you, <laughs> you read music? No, I don't. Yeah, I play strictly so, by ear. I was about to say, mm-hmm. it, we had uh, who was it we had on the other day? I guess it was that uh, they were talking about that. Can't remember now, but we've had several folks that have said, "No, don't read music." Don't read music. Yeah, yep. yeah. We were just
1: uh, old country boys and. Mm-hmm.
0: Just pick it up and Uh, run with it. Just
1: pick it up. Yeah, we just started playing, and uh, it felt good, and we just kept on doing it. Mm -hmm. Learned through the years uh, as we went along, and uh, it got me to where I am now. If that's a good spot, I don't know. (laughs) I was just sitting here thinking about all of the
2: artists and all the bands, and I have trouble thinking of anybody that I've known who was classically trained or... Uh, I guess maybe some fiddle players. My daughter Leslie. There.
0: Yeah, Leslie was classically trained. Right? Is that right? Okay. Yeah.
2: But just your uh, steel players, guitar players, bass players.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Just
2: play for their own amazement. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Like your grandson. He's like my grandson. picked
0: up the steel and just... <clears throat> he ran with it. Golly. It's crazy. Well, um... Coming up uh, at the Opry, who, who do we, uh, anybody, of course, uh, Trevino's going to be there real soon, I Justin guess. Yes,
1: Trevino's going in there. We've had a lot of the, uh, of the big names around Texas. We've had uh, uh, Tony Booth come in. We've had mm-hmm. uh, Bobby Flores come in. We've had Billy Mata come in. Uh, Dennis Stromat from the Midwest Opry up in Illinois came down and was on the show. Uh, Brian Collins uh, mm-hmm. a number of times. Uh, so we've had a number of uh, of guests that come in. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, we've got uh, Justin Trevino coming in in September.
0: I thought you and said November.
1: I'm sorry, in November. You're right. Yeah. And uh, that's going to be a great show. So mm-hmm. we've got advanced tickets on sale for that. You can go to Alvin Opry House on Facebook, and you can get all the information how you can buy tickets and get reservations. That sounds good.
2: Now, uh, the facility that you're using, is it the American Legion Hall? or?
1: It is. Uh, we, we When we first started back with the Opry, we tried the old Opry House, and uh, we had a couple shows in there. As a matter of fact, I think he was a feature on the second one that we did in there. I think that's right. And uh, uh, then we moved over to the American Legion Hall. We partnered up with the people at the American Legion and... Uh, bunch of really really fine veterans over there and we love our relationship with mm-hmm. them they support us and um uh, we've got a nice big hall it seats 300 people um got a huge dance floor
0: and uh, so y'all do dance it's like oh, a absolutely. dance hall oh, okay it's,
1: it's a it's a dance oh, okay. hall opera. but you know a lot of
0: operas are just uh you sit down and you listen right we have table
1: know. seating we have a concession area okay. uh, that's catered okay. with barbecue and so you can come and you can have dinner and have drinks. We've got a sweet spot uh, that have all sorts of desserts and stuff, uh, like I say, and table seating. Um, so it's a great facility, mm-hmm. and uh, we've had a lot of fun since we've moved into that facility. They support us greatly.
0: Yeah, I don't think we mentioned where did now you grew up. Did we mention that a while ago? I guess uh, in Louisiana, right? I was yes. I grew, grew up, up in Louisiana, Louisiana until okay. I was
1: about seven or eight years old. Oh, okay, yeah, and, yeah.
0: and then yeah, we moved yeah. over to yeah. Houston because of Hurricane yeah. Carla back in nineteen sixty. Yeah. I've just got a brain thing going on here, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to remember what we what we did there. But right. uh, well, that's that's interesting. Now you play bass, but anything else? Uh, no, I just play bass, and uh, I've
1: had my band. Gosh, I don't know. What, 40 years? <laughs>
0: I can't remember. It's been too long. Uh, now, do you still occasionally go on the road or do something? Uh- oh, yeah,
1: we do. We play around at some different spots. Uh, right now, we're at at, at a real premier uh, nightclub over in Brazoria. It's called Cooter Browns. Uh, it's probably one of the finest uh, saloons and dance halls in Brazoria County, and, and they've been supporting us, and we're real fortunate mm-hmm. to be tied in with those folks.
0: Now, the Opry is what? On Saturday nights? The Opry is on Friday night. Friday night, okay. The second Friday of every month. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's not every weekend. Okay. It's not every
1: weekend. It's one time a month, the second Mm -hmm. Friday. Mm -hmm. Okay. Our yeah. uh, doors open at six. Show starts at seven. Runs till about ten o'clock. So it's an early mm-hmm. out. People get home early. And
0: uh, well, when you got gray hair, you know that's you, it. You, you want to get home quick. <laughs> got to get to the bed. That's <laughs> it. You can't, you can't stay up too late, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we, we mentioned uh, your son Matt playing drums. Uh-huh. But um, I, I think uh, one of our mutual dear friends. Uh, does uh, Robin Mims play steel for you a lot?
1: Uh, yes, he does. Robin Mims plays steel. Um, I've used uh, Richard Wolf a number of times. A great guitar player. Yes, yeah, singer. Great too. singer. Just phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I use Keith Juno on fiddle. Yes. And uh, we're we're hoping to have him
2: on the podcast soon. He, mm-hmm. he has a phenomenal story.
1: He does. He's mm-hmm. great. He does have a fantastic story. Yeah. Uh, up until. Uh, about a week ago, I had Jim Black in the band. He was playing piano for me. and had, uh, We had him
0: on just uh, not long ago. Is that right? Yeah. yeah well, he sure just did.
1: signed with Gene Watson. He called me the other night. Now, he said,
0: didn't tell us that, did well, he? Well, it, it, happen. it just happened. It
1: just happened. Two days oh, ago. Oh, wow. He called me and said, uh, he said, man, I... Gene Watson called me again. Wants me to come back, and rejoin the band because he wow. worked with him prior. Yeah, he told us a little story about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay.
0: And uh, so cool. right now,
1: yeah, well, I lost congr- my piano player, but congratulations
0: hey, to him then. And congratulations, be... absolutely. Gene's hotter than the Dickens right now. I absolutely.
1: Mean... You know, he's hotter now than he was. Yeah.
0: He yeah. faded out in the, in the yep.
1: latter eighties, yeah. uh, yep. and got to where he wasn't working. So Tony had to come off the road with him because of that, and Tony mm-hmm. started driving the bu- uh, the, the truck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, uh, he he he's hotter
0: now. He's than, good, than and, really and he, he sings. Been. I don't know. It was funny. I saw a show, and they had several. Uh, this is probably an older show, but they had several artists line sitting down. And I think mm-hmm. Ralph Emery. It was a Ralph Emery thing, which uh-huh. has been a long time ago. But uh-huh. and they were talking, and so they was asking Gene to sing. And of course, he did farewell party mm-hmm. sitting down. Okay, and everybody else would stand up. When they would sing, but so they could get, get that diaphragm get that moving right, and get everything. Right. And, and everybody's just looking at Gene going, good grief. You I, know? I know it. I know he, it. Uh, he's just so good. I uh, saw
1: Ray Price do the same thing. Ray Price isn't it crazy? came out, sat down, and I mean just sang like he was 40 years old again. Man. Just fantastic. You
2: know, he does that uh, He does that in, uh, in the key uh, of E, farewell part, Does it in the key of E and then modulates to F. And then sings that long tag mm-hmm. on the end, well, and going. on that show you're talking about, and of course he did it sitting down, mm-hmm. and
0: because uh, Larry Gatlin was Larry, on that show too, and of course Larry made the comment, yeah, what the heck, you know, I had to stand up just to get get going good here. Yeah, you Larry know? is phenomenal. <laughs> he is. He's good. Yeah. So that that was a that was a good deal. Well, man, i tell you what, I appreciate you being with us. Thank you. I appreciate the invitation. You know, we'll uh, make sure and push everybody down to the Opry there. The second, say it again. Second Friday of every month. Okay. Okay. The Alvin Opry House.
1: We're in the American Legion Hall on uh, 209 South Durant Street okay. in Alvin, Texas. Sound like a winner, man. Mm-hmm. We Great.
0: appreciate Tommy, thank you very much, man, thank for being buddy. with us. A pleasure yeah. to meet you. All right. yeah, we'll see you all on the next one. Adios. Thanks for listening to The Big Show with Andy Gallo and Country Jim. This has been a Unicap Media presentation.